All right, well, good evening. Hope you're doing well this evening. I have already been thrilled and blessed by the music already, all about the cross. I tell you, maybe you got to take a moment. I know there's a lot of things that take place in a camp week, but I tell you, you can't let your mind go too far and not be so appreciative and be in awe at the, cro at the cross of Lord Jesus Christ. I know tomorrow, in fact, I was over there and I was praying in my heart, Lord, should I switch gears and preach what I was going to preach tomorrow night, here tonight, but I believe the Lord still wants me to keep the path I'm preaching on because I want to talk about the good news tomorrow, but I'm going to approach it in a different way. I believe that many times we might not appreciate the cross as much until we know what the bad news is. Tomorrow, I'm going to talk about, Lord willing, Lord can change it, but I'm going to talk about what the bad news is so we can have a greater appreciation and understand what the good news is all about. Hope you're doing well. You've had a great spirit. Y'all have sung well. I'm losing my voice a little bit, but some of you are like, I can't tell either way. But regardless, one thing that I want to say thank you to is a lot of you seniors have come and just said, hi, I'm a senior. I appreciate that. I know it's kind of weird, you know, whatnot. Like I said, I met some people getting ready for college, getting ready to take over some family businesses or just get working in businesses or whatever, but met many of you, and so it's been my honor to be able to do so. I know I'm a, kind of a people person. I like to meet everybody, but I know that's inconceivable. But regardless, it's a little bit, and many of you have signed my book, and I'll be praying for you as you go forth wherever God will have you inside of your life. With that being said, I, when I go through a camp week, I crunch inside of my head so few times. I say few times, some of you are like, yeah, you have plenty of time to speak. But if you really number it, there's so many things I would prayerfully cover. But I can't cover a lot, and so I'm only going to do, like I said, a very niche look at a, a topic. I'll tell you how I came to it as far as prayerfully, and then hopefully it'll make a little bit of sense, and I'll tell you what passage we're going to be looking at. Let me tell you how this whole thought process went inside of my head, right? Is this, is I would go to a church, right, and, I, no, I'll go to a camp, and I would preach at a camp, and then there'd be young people that make decisions for the Lord, like, maybe, Lord, I want you to do this with my life, and maybe as it relates even to, like, well, maybe full-time Christian service or whatever it be. And they go home, and they tell their parents, hey, mom, hey, dad, I have made the decision to do such and such, or the parents hear about it on the Sunday night service when people give testimony to that camp. And as they hear the testimony, sometimes the parents are kind of discouraging to some extent and be like, oh, really think about that now, that's a big commitment and different things. And there was a, there was a time that I would be so upset with parents and I'd be like, come on, like, how is it that many times you are discouraging many times the decisions that have been made at camp? And so I was for a long time hiking my little pants up saying to myself, why, why I want to preach to them parents now. I want to preach to them and so they get on board to encourage their young people to continue to live for the Lord. Then, now I still have that every now and again for sure, but something also happened as well in my thought process. As it continued to go around, I became a parent and then I also got a wee bit of a sneak peek of what parents many times see. And the odd thing was, is that I think it was a hard thing for a parent to grasp because of an obvious spiritual malfunction taking place in the individual's life. Meaning like this. Here's what the parents saw. They saw a teenager come home from camp and say something like this. 
Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. I believe God wants me to go a bazillion miles away from home and go to a college that costs a bazillion dollars, and I believe God wants me to do it. I prayed about it, and I want you to be on board with it. This is what? Then the parents have a little bit of pause, and then what happens is we go back to our room, and the parents are like, you know, meditating on what you have said. But here is what the parents see. They see you go to your room and close your door, get on your computer, start doing your work, and then your little brother or sister comes poking their nose inside the door. And as they poke their nose inside the door, they hear a parent, that same child stand up and look at their little brother and sister, get out of my room! I cannot stand you! Slam goes the door. Isn't this the same kid that God told me that I'm supposed to go spend a bazillion dollars and go a bazillion miles? You know what's, what's odd? Let me tell you where I'm going. I have young people tell me they're called to the mission field and treat their brother or sister like garbage. There are people that have all these grandiose plans. And you can't even treat your little sister with decency. I want to I wanna talk about brother and sister relationships. Because you know what? Some of you are digging your own grave of never being trusted for these kind of decisions. Because of the fact of our carnality on full display at home. We can't cover a lot. But we got to talk about sibling relationships. Ephesians chapter 4, this is where we're going to be, all right? Ephesians chapter number 4. Now, oh, Ephesians is a cool book. I'll talk to the sponsors about Ephesians later on. But Ephesians 4 is, oh, I mean, well, the book of Ephesians in itself. And I, I, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and try to go into every detail of this amazing church and how they're able to combine all these cultures and different things inside of here. But we do at least need to cover this aspect because it's going to be part of what we're going to be looking at. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verse number 30. We're going to be reading down to here, verse number 32. Now, as far as here, we're, there's going to be some things that need to be put on in the Christian life and then things that need to be put off inside of the Christian life. And as these things are taking place, it starts off in verse number 30, as I just begin this thank statement, it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, I, I, before we even go any further, and we're going to read through the rest of the passage, and then we have a word of prayer. But the, the, the amazing part, this is about these things that we're supposed to put on the Christian life, and then we're going to talk about the things that need to be put off, like bitterness, wrath, that we're going to look at. But the amazing thing is, he's like, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. I know that so many times we have this mentality that, oh, I cannot wait till I go to heaven, and I'll ask Elijah, what was it like to see a fireball come down and different things? Like, I'm sure we have, if there is such a thing of asking questions to many people in Bible times, many people have their list. But do you know what's interesting? I think that it's not going to quite be the way that we picture it. I think that sometimes we're like, man, we're going to run up to Abraham. We're going to run up to different people. Do you know what I think it might actually be a reality if there is such a thing? I think that the Abrahams, the Isaacs, and the Jacobs are going to be running up to us. And when they run up to us, they'll look at us and say, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit of God living up inside you? <laughs> what was it like? To have the power of God resting inside of you. We cannot be numb to the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Dude, I tell you, engaging us that we can put on some things, put on some things in this Christian walk. As he said, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. It says this, this is where we're going to be. 
these two verses, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Bad word of prayer. We talk about sibling relationships, all right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for you teach us. Oh, I pray that you just, Lord, settle our minds, settle our hearts. Lord, there are some that have made great decisions. They dedicate their life to the Lord. They got it written in their Bible. Yet they don't treat their own family with respect. But I pray that our families, our brothers and sisters, by blood would know that our dedication to you is not some empty lift service of reaching the world and treating their family like they mean nothing. I pray for some things to be put off so some things can be put on. We thank you so much for everything you've done. We thank you for all that you will do. Speak to our hearts and to me and myself once again. In Christ's name we certainly pray it all. Amen. I want to go through this list. I know this is, I'm going to be making the application of this list as far as the relationship, brother and sibling relationships, but we need to understand what these words mean. These things can be put off. So he starts here, and it says, let all bitterness, and then even wrath, clamor, evil speaking. So let's start up here with bitterness. I believe there's a session that was done on bitterness. Am I correct? Is there somebody that did a session on bitterness? Is there a session that was done on bitterness? Yes, no? Negative. There was not a session done on bitterness. Never mind. I thought in the Christian course there's somebody doing a session on bitterness. However, as far as just determining as far as how this word in this, in this list, list being used as this things that need to be put off, this is the idea of a bitter spirit. The God consciousness that he given to us is that many times we resent that resentfulness in that spirit where somebody, you get around somebody and you just know that there's something that's just off. They kind of just bring the mood down. We would even say it like this, that even with communicating with brother and sister, we would even say it's not necessarily just a bitter spirit, but the idea of, boy, that was harsh. Sometimes that word is used. The idea of harshness, where it's like, come on, bro. I mean, I know you might not get along with such and such and thus and so, but bro, you have crossed a line to some degree. You find that in this passage, as we're going, these things be put off, it's letting you just know that let this bitterness, this meanness, this spirit, this resentfulness of our God consciousness and the spirit needs to be put off. It also has the idea, I mean, not the idea, but bitterness, but also gets to the idea of, I mean, the word of wrath, which is this idea of a quiet harshness, a swelling that takes place beneath the surface. Usually it shows itself by snippy comments. It shows itself by super skinningly sarcasm that's used against the people they claim to care about. Now, I think this idea of swelling, I, I, I always, always remember specifically uh, um, this, and as soon as I tell this story right here, I'm sure I'll lose all credibility with anybody in the house if I already haven't because of all my Mario talk, but this will probably make me lose all credibility in the house. However, when I was younger, I, my mom, when she would get ready for church, she had no problem as I would get ready getting me to dress up for church. I love to dress up. And uh, when I was dressing up one day, I went over to the restroom and I put Vaseline all on my arm and all over my face. Now, you know, for black folk, Vaseline just like armor all going up in here. And I looked just like a bowling ball. Like my face was so shiny. I had eyeballs. And I thought, I mean, of course I had eyeballs, but you know what I'm saying. They just really, really stood out. 
because I had Vaseline caked all over my body. So when I walked out, buddy, I looked like just a shiny example of amazingness. I remember I walked there to where my mom was with my shiny self, had my little vest on thinking I was awesome, stepped in front of my mom, and I said, Mom, how do I look? Now, when she looked at me, she didn't care a thing about what I was doing. She looked at me, and she looked just fine, Adrian, and she was over there, and she was ironing the clothes. Now, I've always had this bad habit that I always got to take things up to the next level. So here I was, I was thinking to myself, I thought I was dressed up, thought I looked sharp, and so I thought to myself, well, apparently, I have not done enough. So my mom's over there, she's ironing her clothes, and she grabs a can of spray-on starch, and she sprays the clothes, and then she begins to iron the clothes. In my kid brain, I looked at those clothes, and I thought to myself, every time she runs them iron, that iron over them clothes, them clothes get shinier. I think to myself, no way. There, there's a next level, and I did not know it. So, as soon as my mom got done, she unplugged the iron. She set the spray on starch down. She looked at me sternly and said, don't you dare touch that iron. I said, yes, ma'am. Then she walked away. I plugged that iron right back in. I fired it up. I looked at the spray on starch can and read it. I thought to him, I couldn't read it, but you know what I'm saying, looking at it. And, all right. I began spraying my body with spray on starch. As I began spraying, I began the tedious process of ironing myself because I needed to hit the next level. Well, I fired the iron up, got ready, start on my first arm. As I did, I placed the iron on my arm. When I did, I didn't feel anything. I had so much Vaseline on my arm that I couldn't feel it. Then I pressed the iron down. I felt it. I, 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 I felt it. And uh, I threw the iron, and I remember I unplugged it immediately. I could not tell my mom what I had just done. I changed my clothes to something that was long sleeve, and I went to church that day. During the service, after I did it, I mean, it just was like, ah, there's a mark on my arm. But during the service, I had this strange sensation. My arm, oh, it felt like it was cooking on my body, even though there was no iron on me. As I sat there, I sat writhing in pain throughout the service. As we were walking out of church, I had to tell my mom what I had done. And so I told my mom, because I was in pain, I said, Mom, just so you know, I touched the iron. She looked at me and said, it hurt, did it? That's exactly what you get. I said, you don't understand. <laughs> I really touched the iron, Mom. <laughs> I pulled my shirt sleeve up. When I did... My entire arm was a puffy little marshmallow. I will not describe the colors that were all going and the skin that was hanging up, but it was something that set my mom into an instant panic there in the church parking lot. Now, the reason I tell you this disgusting story that makes me lose all credibility with you is this. It's the same idea as wrath. It has the idea of something that is swelling inside. Like, for example, an offense happens. That's the burn. 
some people do the next verse, which is clamor. They begin yelling about it. They begin loud speaking. You're an idiot. Stay out of my stuff. I can't stand you. I can't stand. Go away from me. I can't believe that you're my sister. Can't believe you're my. Some people just yell. Some people have wrath. What they do is this. They get burned, and instead of handling it, what they do is they just let it swell. They're in pain for what's been done. And what happens, it comes in snippy comments that are pulling them down. It comes from going to their friends and saying, I can't believe you hang out with her. She is this. Let me tell you what they do. This idea of them not, he's saying these things that he put off. This bitter spirit, this harshness that we have toward our siblings. Not only that, this swelling anger. That is many times against our sin. This clamor where we're just absolutely just loudly even just screaming at our sis. Then it says this is even the evil speaking. The vilification. The slandering. That's what the word means in this verse here. I love Groeschel's comment when he says this. So I just say it as far as I give him the exact quote. He says this. Everything that is true does not need to be said. <laughs> but everything we say should be true. I love the quote because many times we, as far as siblings, got dirt on our brother and sister that nobody else has. We know things that few people on the planet know. And what happens is we can use that information as a weapon to vilify them when it should just simply be buried and forgiven. There are many of you that tear down your siblings. If I had to challenge you, think of the nice, kind thing you said to your sister. You'd really have to think about it. When's the last time you showed your older brother some respect? You look at this idea and it seems like this slandering and sometimes we even take things that are true and we weaponize it. So let's just say you're in a family structure that's a blended family and so you have a brother and then you have a stepbrother here. And so you have these two brothers that are here and then we take a statement that is true. That person's a stepbrother and then we use it as a weapon. I know, but you're just my stepbrother. Oh. It's true. It's true. The weaponizing of the truth. As we find, it says that this evil speaking, and it says this, this idea at the end of with all malice. So what he says is that you can take these weaponized truth and you can then have ill will. So that what you can do is the statements that are being formed toward them are used simply to hurt them. Simply to make them pay. Whether it's revenge, whatever. Ever you find to be the situation. Now, he goes to the verse. I know much could be said in verse 31. I don't want to hang it out there all day. But I'm just giving you some examples that we're not just reading through these words of saying these things need to be put away from you with all malice. Now, but he says this in verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. There's one point to the message. I'm going to get to it in just a moment. But as we do, we got to understand these three aspects of this verse, okay? So what I'm going to do is this. Put on this side right over here is the idea of kind. And then we have this word right here of tenderhearted. And then we have this idea of the word forgiven. So for being, um, um, I, 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Forgiving over here. All right, so over here we have the aspect of kind. So this idea of kind, obviously to be gracious toward, to just do something for the well-being of another person. You know, this is the idea that as we look at this verse, obviously saying put those things off, but these things need to be put on. But sometimes the only time kindness is shown is that we have something in the bank somehow in some way that we are going to be rewarded. Gee, sometimes we can tokenize our brother or sister for whatever reason that we're choosing to do whatever we're for. If you've ever gone to Chuck E. Cheese, well, I don't know if you go to Chuck E. Cheese, but let's just say, you know, y'all know Chuck E. Cheese, right? Y'all know Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese, okay, many of you know Chuck E. Cheese. All right, so what happens is I give my go to Chuck E. Cheese, I give my kid this little thing of coins. When they have these little tokens, you take these little tokens, and what you can do is take the tokens and you can put them inside of the machine, and the machine then plays the game that you have. Now, what happens is this, is I'm going to just define what a token is. This A token is something to get an intended result. My kid doesn't walk to Chuck E. Cheese with their token in hand, go get ready to play, let's just say, the claw game. As they're getting ready to play the claw game, they don't put the token in the machine and go, my token, my token, my token, my token. No. The token did what it's supposed to do. It makes the game come on. As soon as the lights come on, as soon as the little handle says, hey, move me, move me, move me, immediately they go directly there. There are some times that the only time that you're ever in kind to your brother and sister is if in some way it benefits you. So at camp, you can treat them like royalty and in the house treat them like garbage because in this kind of setting, it's not looked on to look at them and exclude them. It's not looked on kindly to be able to go and say things cross to them. Let me say, this is not kindness. This is for your own benefit, whether in front of your parents, whether in front of the youth pastor, whether you were just all smiles as soon as you walk into youth group, and yet outside of youth group, you don't even give them the time of day. Give me the brother or sister that is simply kind with nothing, no kind of return. Give me the older brother that goes outside and pushes his sister on a swing set because there's no kudos for that. They don't put you on Forbes magazine because you're simply just kind to your little brother. Because you simply just take the child from mom and give them a bounce every now and again. What I'm saying is sometimes the only kindness that takes place is kindness that benefits us. So let's not count bad. Are you kind to your siblings? So it starts here. And be ye kind one to another. Now, tenderhearted. Got to come back. Because that's our one part. Forgiving. All right. So what's forgiveness? Obviously, forgiveness is giving others what God has given to you. God has given us the gift that he has offered forgiveness for our sin. Now, when we think about kindness, I mean, sorry, about being forgiving. See, this is, let's, get some, let's get some stuff out of the way. Because undoubtedly, your brother and sister have done things to deeply hurt you. In fact, the closer the person in your relationship, the closer the person is into your life, is the deeper the wounds that have been caused by what has been done. Do you know one thing that never happens in scripture? When you read about Joseph's life, now Joseph pretty much had a pretty rough go with his brothers. 
I, I, I would dare say that we don't have anything that holds a candle to Joseph. They didn't look at Joseph and say, hey, Joseph, you look fat in that coat of many colors. Hey, guys, let's laugh. Ha, ha, ha. No, his brothers had to talk themselves out of not killing him. The kid's life was threatened. Go to bed with that on your mind, wondering the place that's supposed to be your home, your protecting place. You're scared for possibly your life. You know, you. Joseph, you know the story that revolves switch. Joseph's in second command. Here come the brothers. Look at what Joseph says in the Bible in Genesis 50. A matter of forgiveness that is important. In Genesis 50, he says this. Hey, guys, don't fear. I am not in the place of God. He never does this. He doesn't be now second command standing up, and here comes his brother standing here, and he looks at his brother and he says, hey, guys, you know what? We were young. We were stupid. We did some dumb things. It's all good. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. No, he didn't do that. He never minimizes the pain that was given to him when he was a child, but he does make this statement, I'm not God. <laughs> That's what he does say that. You say, why is that? Because vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Okay? So what Joseph is saying is, you know what? Hey, look, now God may punish you for what you have done to me, but I'm not God. I am not the one that's going to be his hired hitman to be able to then do what I think that maybe should be done to you. Here's what happens. We over here trying to be God. We over here trying to make them pay. They made me look like a fool, so guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to make them look like a double fool. What you see is we are trying to put ourselves in the place of God. Some of you are doing this your parents. Oh, he walked out on me. I'll tell you what it feels like. He's going to text me. I ain't going to text him back. You go ahead, Dad. Yeah, you're going to know what it feels like to be able to walk out on me. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying, I'm not denying the hurt. I am saying this. You and I are not in the place of God. Joseph said this, I'm not in the place of God. And he asked God to help him show grace to his brothers during that time. Now, I, I, one more thing about forgiveness before I get to the point. Before you come to the point that you're not going to forgive your siblings in this illustration, keep in mind, one day, you are going to need forgiveness, man. One day you're going to blow it. One day you're going to lose it. And you are going to say something you should not say. Things are going to come out of your mouth. You are going to do something that you regret. And you will need forgiveness. You may choose to withhold from brother or sister right now. I hear you. I'm not sitting here and saying that the pain ain't real. I'm not sitting here saying that you ain't got no case. I am just simply saying that one day you will need forgiveness. And if you withhold, in this area, he's like, like what, hold up. He says in this verse, even as God for Christ's sake have forgiven you. You know, uh, all right, here we go. Let me go and be kind. Have this idea of forgiving. But there's this little thing in the middle called tenderhearted. And who's studying this word? It's really interesting. The one point is this. It takes strength to be tender. That's my point. Let me explain what I mean. Um, so forgive kindness over here. Forgiving over here. Here's what happens. Many times strife happens. All right. 
All right, come over here, Junior. Junior one. Come over here, Junior two. Now, y'all two just had a fight. Yeah, Dad, I can't stand him. Yeah, all right. What do you need to do? Say you're sorry. Sorry. What do you say now? I forgive you. Are we going to do it again? Nah. All right. Head back to your room, guys. <laughs> and there we go. End of the story. Everybody go back to the room. There's something that's, that's kind of weird that's, miss, that's missing here. Now, let me do another thing. Since I've already been exposing myself of how weird it is, all the ridiculous things I've done in the past, of all these whatever. So I'm just going to tell you this other this story. This is going to really hate me. Uh, but some of y'all don't even know how old I am. But I'm going to tell you exactly how old I am as soon as you hear this illustration. Hey, y'all know how uh, the girls be doing, like, uh, well, I don't have a chair. So I can't really do it well. But, like, have you seen the girls, like, when I was younger, they would do that. They'd be in the outside. They'd be going, like, oh, Mary, Matt, Matt, Mac, oh, rich and black. Something like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all laughing at me. I know I didn't do it right, but, you know, I, I, I got a little jig, but I ain't got that one. But anyway, but however, so, have y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Now, at our school, we did something else. Now, maybe y'all did this at your school. Maybe some of the old folk back there know what I'm talking about, but maybe they don't. Is when you came to our school, what would happen is this. Now, we were just corny little, little excursion school where we were, right? And, so, and what we do is, like, people walk in the door, right? And uh, we're like, hey, what's your name? And they'd be like, Adrian, all right, what month were you born in? October, okay, and they go, A-D-R-I-A-N, uh, one, two, three, and then they count ten, and so the number was 16, and they'd be like, okay, now let's start counting, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, nobody know what I'm talking about? Oh, people, help me out now, y'all know what I'm talking about, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eight. they look at me like I'm stupid, okay, all right. Y'all know what trapper keepers are, right? All right, now, <laughs> I think they got that down. <laughs> All right, so this was us weirdos in North Carolina who did this, right? Is what it would be is this. Is you would be, if you landed here, you would be hard-headed. And then you'd be like, oh, one, two, three, four, five, 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 oh, you hard-headed. Hey, everyone, hard-headed, hard-headed, right? And if you're right here, you're nosy. If you're here, you're motor mouth. And if you are here, they would do this. You tend to hide it. And they say it like that. You tend to hide it. Now, because my name's Adrian, and because I was born in October, what would happen is I would end up on tend to hide it. So everybody walk around and be like, Adrian's tend to hide Adrian tend to hide I hated it, you know. I, I, it made me like feel like I was like less of a man because I was tend to hide it, right? Every time they would start talking to me about it. So here I am with this thought in mind about this idea then of why exactly then this matter of tenderhearted connects these two ideas, right? This, this idea of then and being kind one to another, and then this idea of being tenderhearted, and then you come over here to forgiving one another. Now, tenderhearted has to do something with all that's going on. Now, remember my point is it takes strength to be tender. So, let me use an old school illustration and then make a point. Uh, well, you know what I'm saying. I, I, I already got a point, but I'm just like making another point, all right? Now, um, oh, let me say this first. All right. Yeah, let me say this first. Okay. Because I'm almost done, you know, so I'm like, I'm like finishing up anyway real quick. All right. You know what I've noticed? There's a point to this. Just be patient with me. Just take all the thoughts I've had and just kind of put it together in your mind and take it off the shelf when I'm ready, okay? Now, I think it's interesting. That in our culture, there are two things that we just love to see. Like if there's like an IG reel or whatever that would just catch your eye, I think that here would be some of the reels that catch our eyes. We really like 
when old, old people are like madly in love. Like, like when there's a couple that's like in their 90s and they're holding hands and he reaches over and pinches her behind and she goes, oh, stop it, you know. Like, like we think that's awesome. Like, I don't know, but don't act like you don't watch it. Don't act like you don't. I mean, it's just kind of like, oh, oh, like whatever the oneness is inside of you, even for the hardest of hearts, that is something that's cool. Now, now this one we don't realize as much, but I think it's also something interesting that I just make the observation. Again, you can disagree with me, it doesn't really matter, is I think that we really like in society that, and we also really enjoy the idea of grown siblings that love each other and go on vacation together. Here, listen closely. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Everybody wants to have a friend. It you say, you're, I'm in high school, so it's like peer pressure. Look, it don't change when you get old. You still want to have a friend. Everybody has this vision of having a super close friend, and everyone has this vision that they're going to go on vacations together. Everybody has this vision that their kids, that wife is going to love that other person's wife, and it's all going to be awesome, and you're going to be able to go take little selfies on the side of the beach. It doesn't change when you get older, okay? And I think that what happens is many times there's almost a little bit of envy when you see grown siblings, they just get along. Now, this is interesting. <laughs> All right, so back to the age-old illustration. Have y'all seen the illustration about toothpaste and words? Hey, yeah. All right. Y'all, okay. Let's pretend we're in Sunday school, kids. I just want to make an observation. Well, that, was, that would really stink, wouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, is, uh, okay, let me just quickly do the illustration, and then I'll tell you the reason why I'm doing it, because I want to take it to the next level, and that is this. All right. Hey, kids, you know what I'm going to do? We're going to pretend that these, that this toothpaste, I'm going to kind of squeeze it out into my little bowl right here. You know, it's so easy to, for it to come out the tube, isn't it? All I got to do is just. <laughs> it was 97 cents, folks. Let's not get crazy. It comes out so easy, calls out so easy. Here it comes. All right, there's a lot in here. All right, here we go. Now. Then, hey, Junior, hey, you come up here. Yeah, Johnny, come on up here. Now, it was really easy to take all of that out and put in this bowl, wasn't it? Yes, ma'am, it was. Isn't that awesome? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all this and all this toothpaste and put it back inside of the toothpaste. Little Johnny takes it. Oh, no. Oh, 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 I can't do it. And then we take it from Johnny. After we take it from Johnny, we walk around and we say this. Young people, let's be careful about our words because what comes out, you can't take back, right? Now, that's the point. Now, with that being said, you know why it is, I believe, that older couples and not only older couples but even brothers and sisters, you know what I believe the tender heart it looks like? It's because with all those couples, you know they got mess. That they have had to work through. You don't get to 90-something years old living with a sinner and not have a fight. If they say they did not, they lying. They lying. You have to work through some junk to get from 
kindness, then this idea of forgiving, and this in the middle, this tenderhearted, forgive may be the callous way I'm putting it, but do you know what I believe means? It means you have a heart that's willing to work through some junk to get to forgiveness. Do you know what I believe that we find about sisters and brothers? Some of you got to work through some junk with your brothers and sisters. Some things have been said between your siblings in your home. It's horrible. Oh, yeah. It's easy to get up there on teen night, teen takeover night, and preach a sermon. But if everyone knew how you treat your little sister, they wouldn't pay you no mind. Work through your mess of forgiveness. Hey, guys, I, I know we have aspirations of wanting to build our businesses. and I don't think this generation lacks this vision of all these things. But come on, when we can't even get along with the ones that you know that God created you to be able to be with. See, our society can go through. And what you can do is if you don't like your parents, what you can do is hold out to 18 and totally disown them and say, I wish I never had them. You know what you can do if you get married in our culture today? You can get married and have a commitment for a little while. And when things get hard, you ain't got to work through the mess. And you just go ahead and get a divorce. But do you know what's interesting about brothers and sisters? You can't divorce them. You can't leave them. Until death, that is your brother. Until death, that is your sister. And if you're not willing to work through the mess to get to forgiveness, you're going to go do what now? Last time I checked, God said, leave that off here, that thing at the altar, and go make things right with your brother. I know it's not over brother, brother, but you know what I'm saying. This is something that we must take seriously. Hey, Carl. Carl. Uh, he's the Carl that plays the piano, Carl. There you go. Can you come up here, man? All right, probably like five people looked at me and said, oh, right? Can you, can you, can you close your Bibles for me? Can you close your Bibles? You know, yeah, yeah, you go to the piano, bro. Just a second. Hey, uh, I don't like fuzzy invitations. I don't. If there's a point, there's a point. There's a point. Tonight, you know, we're not bowing our heads yet, close our eyes or anything. Because I ain't pulling your arm. I ain't trying to twist anything, bro. If you ain't going to do nothing, just sit down. It's all good. We almost done. But if God's spoken to your heart in just a second, here's what we're going to do. Now, you can talk to your counselor if you want to talk to your counselor about some of these matters that's complicated and is a little bit next level. Hey, just go, when you get ready to have the invitation, get the eyeball of your counselor, walk out to the back, y'all have a chat. Totally cool. Totally fine. But I don't let this be a time, I know that many of you have a time when at your church you have a like an altar call where you, you come to the altar and pray. I'm going to tell you what would be interesting. I ain't got to do it. I'm just, just throwing it out there. We're going to play a stanza. Nobody do nothing. We're going to go ahead to the house, right? But things ain't good with your brother or sister. <laughs> what if y'all prayed together at this altar tonight? 
and work through some mess. Maybe you don't want to do it at all. That's fine. And he'll be awesome. If your brother and sister are here, and one was making their way to one, and the other was making their way to the other, to work through their mess. What a picture of tenderheartedness. Enough to say, let's move to forgiveness. Maybe they're not here. Here's invitation time. I'm going to invite you to come to this altar and just take a prayer of prayer. And, in the, and here's what we're not doing. Let's, let's, Lord, help my brother not to be this way. No, 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 no. When you get down, make a plan of what you're going to do to work through your mess. Say, God, I, I might need to take some time tonight in my free time tomorrow to write a letter to my brother. Give me the words to say because you know how we all we are. God, please allow that. Make a plan. There's no desire to make a plan. It's fine. If it's all good in the hood, it's fine. Stay where you are. However, this idea of tenderhearted and the strength it takes to be tender during this invitation, I invite you to make things right. So, grab a sibling, come to the front, pray, make a plan, or sit here, you're almost done. We bow our heads, close our eyes together. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. In just one moment, Carl will play. Here's how it works. As soon as Carl plays, I'm not asking for a raise of hands. I'm not asking for who wants to do something. I am not going to press you in the least. I am simply going to simply say this. As soon as he begins playing, you understand clearly. I have tried. I've repeated myself of what the invitation is. If God has spoken to your heart, you want to pray at this altar, make a plan, come to do so. If you want to make an altar there, your seat. I forgot to say that. You can do so as well. However, if you need to make things right and your brother or sister's in the house, go to them. Whether you talk to a counselor or whether you come here to the front, let's work through our mess to get to forgiveness.